y'all, and welcome back to another episode of Off the Dome. Happy Valentine's Day to all you lovebirds out there. I hope you guys had a great Valentine's Day weekend, or I don't know if you guys are celebrating Valentine's Day on Monday, the weekend prior to Monday, or if you're doing it this coming weekend. So whatever y'all's plans are, hope you enjoy them with either yourself or your significant other. Um, I took the day off for Valentine's Day, so I just wanted to make sure that I did something special for myself, even though I'm not in a relationship. You do not have to be in a relationship. Do some self-care, take yourself out to a fancy dinner. I mean, I wish I was the type of person who could like go to a fancy dinner by myself, but that's just not where I'm at in my life. I don't think I'll ever want to do that. Like, I envy people who can just go do that. I feel like it's easy if you have work to do. Like if I had work to do and I just have my earphones in and I'm getting a nice dinner, like it doesn't have to be super fancy, but you're, you know, at a nice restaurant. I don't know. I just can't do it. I see all the girlies on YouTube who swear that it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, but I'm like, nah, sis, I can't, I can't be doing that because I just feel like all eyes are on me, even though that's probably not the case, but I don't know. I just, I can't do it. So props to y'all who can actually go to a restaurant by yourself or like a coffee shop. I feel like a coffee shop is less intimidating because it's a more quaint location. So I don't know. Let me know what y'all think. Would y'all go to a restaurant by yourselves and live it up or y'all more like I'm gonna order it and bring it home and be in the comfort of my own home because that's kind of where I'm at which the pandemic may have played a part in that. Cause I find that even now, like if I wanna go do something and I don't really have like friends here like that. So that's another story in itself. Yeah, I might wanna do something, but because I'm so used to being cooped up in the house, I'll literally just stay in the house. So I'm trying to get out of that just for my own like mental because being cooped up in the house is really not what you want. Um, especially if you already work from home, like I work from home and then I also go into the office. So I just don't think it's conducive for me to just be in the house like all week long, all weekend long. So I did get out this weekend. Um, I'm recording this on Sunday night. I'm real late to recording this episode for y'all because my week was all over the place. I literally broke down crying like on three occasions this week twice at work and then I cried when I went and got waxed on Saturday I didn't cry because I was in pain I was crying because I was venting to my wax specialist and I mean I felt like I left there feeling a lot more refreshed and less alone because my wax specialist was she was very much there for me in that moment. So I don't know why I'm over here. Sis is waxing my cooch and all of a sudden I'm breaking down crying because I'm telling her about why I cried on the job. So shout out to my wax specialist because she's the real OG for making me feel better in that moment. A 20 minute wax session just changed my whole outlook on my Saturday. So sometimes I think... People underestimate the value of being kind and listening and just being there, you know? Like sometimes people think that you have to have these grandiose discussions with a person if they're, you know, feeling some type of way, if they're having a rough time, if they're dealing with 
mental health problems. Like, I just think that we underestimate the value of just offering a shoulder to cry on or a listening ear or a safe space. I think having a safe space for anybody is just really important because I don't really think that my WAC specialist realizes how much I needed her to be there for me in that moment, even though I didn't come there to dump my problems on her. That's not by any means what I wanted to do. But like I told you guys, I'm an open book and I don't feel some type of way about sharing the things that are bothering me. And I guess that's the reason why I broke down crying at work. And it's really funny because someone close to me years ago when I first started like working and full-time employment, because obviously I was in college and I was working part-time, even though consistently working at the same job, I, you know, I wasn't always working full-time. And so someone close to me told me that especially as a black woman, I need to really be careful about crying at work. And that statement rubbed me the wrong way when it was told to me, but it's also something I keep thinking back on anytime I cry at work. And I think I've cried on every job that I've ever had, whether part-time, internship, full-time, I think I've cried on every single position, maybe with the exception of one, but I literally think I've had my day to have at shedding a couple of tears. And I was telling my wax specialist that I was like, dang, I literally think that I've cried on almost every job that I've had. And I think it's just because in some situations, it's like I'm crying because I'm at my breaking point. I've done a lot of like customer service positions and I used to work in retail, like throughout college, I worked in retail until I graduated. So I'm very familiar with in-person retail work, in-person customer service, which is It's so much better than doing customer service over the phones because that's actually literally a living nightmare. In my opinion, some people like it, but I just don't know how because people over the phone, just like we see over the internet, they become gangsters and they be talking to you real sideways and then you trying to be a professional and you can't call them out. And it's just like literally hell, if that's the best way I could explain over the phone customer service. But Yeah, I mean, there have just been situations where you hit your breaking point at a job where you feel like you're giving it your all and people are walking all over you or you're giving it your all and people are taking advantage of you giving it your all. And that's just like my mindset. You know, I I believe I'm a hard worker. I have great worth ethic and I don't like to half-ass do any job. So for me, I guess to sum it up without getting into too much detail I just feel like currently where I'm at with my job I don't feel prepared to do my job I just feel very inadequate in my job and I just don't think it's cool to come into your job every morning or every evening however your schedule is and just feel like a failure like you don't know what you're doing you know I've been trying to coast through it and try to do as much as I possibly can with the tools and resources that I currently have. But I just think that also with being a perfectionist is like, you just want to do the right thing. You you know, you want to do a good job and I just have been struggling with that. And so I broke down to one of my coworkers during the week. And of course, you know, she was there for me and 
it was nice to have someone to kind of listen to where I was coming from. And it's not like this is a new conversation either. Like this is a conversation that I've had with several of my coworkers and my manager for that, for that matter. So this is not new news. So I guess like considering that it's like beating a dead horse, having the conversation over and over, I had just reached my breaking point with it. And then I'm also on my period this week. And I think that being on my period has a lot to do with how I felt this week. Like y'all, my period is the worst it's ever been for as long as I can remember. I feel like ever since I switched to organic products for my period, like I just don't think that I would have like really bad cramps. And sometimes like I could go about my life. I'd be on my period, but I wouldn't even be thinking about it, you know? And this week has just been tragic, like garbage, okay? Like literally crying almost every other day, not having any desire to do anything, which I think is not just my period. I think that's more like a mental health thing, but I think my period has contributed to it because it's like a lot of PMS. Like sometimes, and I know my ladies can relate to me on this, like sometimes you minding your own business and all of a sudden you just have the urge to like bust out into tears like why are we so complicated as women like why do we have to deal with all this shit like why do we have a period I mean obviously I know that why we have one but why do we have to go through all this men just have it so easy that's why I don't understand why they don't know how to do the bare minimum you know like we tell y'all to do one thing y'all don't know how to do it but yet every month we gotta endure mother nature and work and pay our bills and do all the things required of us and be mothers and be friends and sisters and just all this crap and men got one job and they can barely do that but let me stop y'all let me let me stop trash talking to men because it's not all men but it's a lot of y'all out here who be doing absolutely nathan but yeah just a long long story short you know had a rough week at work made it through it and i think whatever you're doing, not just with work, but when you're struggling, I really think it's important to one, you know, speak up and advocate for yourself and what you need. My coworker did hand me her, like her therapist number so I can like set therapy up because I've been slacking. I keep saying, I'm going to go back to therapy. And then I just keep thinking that I can deal with my problems on my own. Like I keep thinking that my problems will go away. And by my problems, I mean like my anxiety and like situations where I do have like depressed moments. Like I keep thinking that that's just temporary, you know, like everybody has times when they, you know, get depressed. Some people at larger scales than others. And, you know, some people have to take medication for it and seek professional help very often in order to manage it. And I don't know why I just think that I can figure this all out by myself. Like, I can't do it, you know? Like, I just cannot do it. And it'll be like two weeks and I'm good. We smooth sailing. I'm motivated to go to the gym. I'm disciplined to go to the gym because you need more discipline than you need motivation because motivation ain't going to take you far. You know, like I'm on top of my stuff. I'm on top of my skincare routine. I'm on top of my budget. Those moments are very fleeting though, because then I'll go into like a long period or like a back and forth period of feeling like 
completely worthless, like worthless. I don't want to clean. I don't want to cook. I don't want to go to the gym. I don't want to do anything but lay on my couch and do nothing. Absolutely nothing. I don't want to talk to nobody. I don't want to see nobody. I just want to curl up in a ball and let life pass me by. Like I get in like situations like that all the time. And I don't know why I think that that's normal. Like I just don't know why I just don't pick up the phone and just go back to therapy. I don't know. I guess a part of me also, I feel like I want a black female therapist. And I don't know why I just think that that's hard to get one, you know, to find someone that's going to click with you and, you know, get you. And I just don't want to have to change 30 million therapists until I find the perfect one. So I know I'm making a lot of excuses, y'all. I'm aware of that. And I realize I need to go back to therapy because it's too much back and forth with my feelings about my life and my mental health has been on a decline for several years. So the fact that I still haven't gotten back into therapy is really a shame on me because I just literally think that I can figure this stuff out by myself. And it's just getting to the point that as I get older, I just cannot figure this stuff out by myself. And then of course, I don't wanna dump all my problems on my friends and or family members because they don't deserve that. They have their own stuff that they have to work through. And I just... I don't know y'all it's it's been it's been a lot this week has been a lot but I will say that today Sunday has been a great day I actually had the motivation to clean my apartment so I said I'm gonna take it and run with it and I'm gonna clean my apartment and I'm gonna have a good old time I listened to some gospel music not the new gospel y'all like the Donnie McClurkin old school Kirk Franklin we fall down, but we get up, you know, that stuff. Like I was listening to that jamming, having a good old time. My apartment is clean. I feel very accomplished. You know, sometimes it is hard to get up and do things that you should normally need to do, like clean or do your skincare routine. Sometimes it's hard to get up and want to take a shower. Like that's embarrassing to say out loud. It's embarrassing to say that like my apartment kind of like, flew by the wayside like not really bad but just to me it's bad because normally I keep up with stuff you know around my apartment like there's gonna be things that I never let slip by the wayside but like for example like I had laundry that I did a week prior clean laundry y'all just sitting on my bed that was not getting folded because I'm just like there's no way because it's like by the time I fold this laundry I gotta go do laundry again and the same laundry is gonna be on my bed again and I'm gonna have to fold it I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like we just have so much to do. And I don't have kids, y'all. I don't have kids. I don't have a relationship holding me down. Nothing. All I have to do is collect my check and then go about my business. And of course, pay my bills and, you know, do all the adulting stuff. But I can't even imagine y'all having kids because I just can't. I just, I mean, honestly, this is kind of crazy. This is the thought that I'm just having is, if I had kids though, I would really have to be more responsible. And by be more responsible, like if I had a child, I would actually legit need to be in therapy like five years ago because I would have to be the best version of myself in order to parent my child properly and in a healthy manner. So I feel like sometimes I feel like 
when you become a parent, you really do have to be more responsible, not just for the for your child itself, but you have to really be responsible when it comes to you in order to be a parent to your children. So I'm really glad that I'm not a parent because I just can't imagine after like breaking down at work twice during the week and then I got to come home, cook dinner for somebody, get them ready for bed and school, make sure I'm giving them emotional support. I just can't even imagine it. I just can't. So shout out to all the young moms out here making it do what it do. The young moms and dads making it do what it do. Y'all are the real MVPs because it couldn't be me. That's all I'm gonna tell y'all. It couldn't be me. But I don't know. I just started rambling about a bunch of stuff. But yeah, I cleaned my apartment and I ordered some food. So I've been kicking it. And on Saturday, I got waxed, like I told y'all. And then I supported a black owned business. I went to this place called the Jerk Shack in San Antonio, kind of over there by SeaWorld if you live in the area. So it was like a 30 minute drive. And then of course, I knew this was gonna happen, but I tried to be proactive. You know, they have their own Instagram page, right? So in their Instagram page, they have the address in their bio. But I remember going through like their photos and the owner was telling somebody who had commented on their photos, like, you know, the GPS took me to your old address. And so the owner specifically said something along the lines of, oh, for some reason, like if you click the link in our bio, it's going to take you to the old location, which is somewhere off of think it's somewhere off of military drive if I'm not mistaken I could be wrong y'all don't quote me y'all know if y'all live in the area and y'all are familiar with the west side then y'all know what I'm talking about I'm not good with directions so but yeah so I'm trying to be proactive I'm trying to actually type in the location because that's what she told the girl to do so I do exactly that and I type in the location so that way I can get there because I went to my wax appointment and then I placed an online order that was going to be ready in 15 minutes. So place the order, I'm driving and I'm like, okay, so far so good. I feel like I'm going to the right place because I had an idea of where the new location is that actually, I guess they had more of like a... It wasn't a food truck like their original location, but it was like a really small quaint little hole in the wall restaurant and now the new location is it's a little nicer I guess you could say so it actually looks like an actual restaurant it doesn't look like a hole in the wall joint so basically long story short y'all my GPS still took me to the original jerk shack and of course there's nobody there And I knew that that was going to happen. So then I had to drive another 17 minutes when I was already, I had already driven like 15 minutes. So mind y'all, my order was ready at 1.30. I didn't get there till two o'clock trying to fool around with the GPS. Finally got there, you know, came back, tested out all the food. Now I'm a sissy when it comes to like spicy food. So I specifically did not want anything spicy. And I got like a a chicken sandwich with mac and cheese and some french fries the sides were my favorite the mac and cheese was top notch never had mac and cheese better from an actual restaurant that's not homemade that was the bomb.com highly recommend y'all trying that the chicken sandwich was great it was great but the only thing is it was way too spicy for me so the spice overpowered the sandwich for me so if i go back i will try something different but honestly 
it's a Caribbean place, so it's probably all gonna be spicy. But if y'all like spicy stuff, I mean, the stuff was quality. It was ready on time. People are nice over there. It's a black owned business support, definitely. But yeah, I just can't be eating the spicy food. So I gotta try to switch it up next time I get something on their menu. So yeah, I felt good about that. Even though my week was shitty, my weekend started to look up a little bit, even though I didn't do much, but I felt accomplished after cleaning my apartment, finishing my book, you know, doing some self-care, getting my wax taken care of, getting my hair cut, you know, doing some things to kind of like take care of myself because I hadn't really been doing that. Like this week, I didn't go to the gym at all. So yeah, I needed to make up for the crazy week that I had. And I feel like I did that. So happy that that ended up panning out. But yeah, so like I told you guys, I do plan on starting therapy again soon. I haven't been in therapy since I was in college. So I definitely plan on starting therapy soon. Um, I promised my grandmother yesterday and I don't take my promises lightly. If I promise somebody I'm going to do something, I'm going to follow through with that promise. I mean, even if I don't promise you, if I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it unless some emergency comes up. So now that I've promised my grandmother, I actually am being held accountable to, you know, get the therapy appointments set up and all that jazz. So there's really no turning back now because I don't want to go back on my word. You got to be a woman of your word, like I told y'all. So I'll be keeping y'all posted on how that turns out and how I like it. And if I feel like it's helping me and if I decide to get on some type of medication, I will let you guys know because I want to be as transparent as possible. So that way, you know, if you guys are in a similar situation, you can, you know, see if therapy will work for you. But speaking of therapy, I thought that since I'm planning on going back soon, that I would touch on my therapy experience that I had back in college. So I want to say I started therapy when I was, I believe I was 20. Because I want to say that I had gotten out of a relationship with someone prior to joining therapy. I didn't get in the therapy because the relationship ended. It was more because I wasn't feeling safe. And so I was just constantly worrying about my safety and security, which was causing me to do a lot of looking over my shoulder, a lot of like looking people up and down, trying to make sure that, you know, they ain't trying to pop off and do something crazy because then I got to have a exit strategy, you know, that type of thing. So I wasn't feeling safe and it was really bad. I, I really wish I knew the exact situation that made me need to, you know, start therapy I mean, I needed to start therapy anyways for reasons that had nothing to do with me feeling unsafe. But when I was growing up, I was always led to believe that I was crazy. So, and if I had to go to therapy, well, then I always thought that, well, that's just going to make me even look more crazy. If you think I'm crazy and I'm not in therapy, well, if I have to go to therapy because I'm crazy, quote unquote, I'm not going to give you the satisfaction of thinking that I'm actually crazy. So I am not going to therapy. Hell no, that's not something I'm going to do. So I really 
was always opposed to therapy when I was younger because I was always led to believe that there would be something wrong with me if I actually went because there was something wrong with me when I wasn't going. So I never wanted to give anyone the benefit of the doubt and to make me feel like I was actually crazy. So I never went to therapy. But I do remember telling my mom when I was in college and just to give you guys a little backstory, I went to UTSA, but I didn't live on campus. I lived at home and I worked part time and I did the commute. It was about a 30 minute commute to school. And yeah, I did. In the beginning, I started going to school part time and I worked part time. But then eventually, because I wanted to graduate with my class, which what does that even mean? Because I knew no one in my graduating class except for a handful of people that I don't even talk to now. So like me trying to graduate like on time basically like to so that way people on Instagram or people who knew me knew that I actually got my degree within four years because I don't want to be one of those people who took 10 years to get my degree and you know how that goes like stupid stuff that doesn't matter because who the heck cares if you get your degree after four years as long as you get your degree and if you don't want to get a degree don't get a degree honestly um but that's how I was thinking back in those times so I was living with my mom and my brother and you know I was commuting working doing that whole thing making it work so I never got the college experience of living on campus and doing all the parties and all that stuff I did not get that experience and that's one thing I will say that I regret about not living on campus because I feel like Living on campus gives you a different experience. It teaches you how to become your own person because you're not so close to family and you make your own choices and stuff like that. I mean, obviously, like I grew into my own person anyways, but I really wanted to have the college experience. But, you know, it just didn't make sense financially because I went to school for free. Essentially, the only thing I had to cover was books and like fees for labs and stuff like that so like room and board would be would not have been free under the the Hazelwood Act which is what I used to go to school and of course that was granted to me because my mom was in the military so shout out to being a military brat because it definitely paid off so yeah so you know I had little things that I had to cover on my own dime but that's where Amazon Prime and Chegg.com came into with my books because it's like, hunty, I don't got $500 to be spending on books. And when I did need to spend $500 on books, the bank of mom came in handy. So shout out to you, mom. Yeah, so, you know, I was still like in the comfort of my mom's home and that was very familiar to me, which was nice. I just remember telling my mom like I gotta go to therapy because it's getting to the point where I am afraid to like leave the house like basically I'm afraid to leave the four walls that I live in I don't want to go to class I don't want to do nothing I just want to not do nothing because if I don't do nothing no one can hurt me that's kind of the way I was feeling at the time and I'll never forget Before I got like assigned my actual therapist, and I don't even know if it works like this in the civilian world, y'all, because, you know, the, the perks of being a military child is that, you know, you got that military ID and you just walk up and you get seen for medical and mental care and, you know, 
that stuff just is basically handed to you on a silver platter, at least from the outside looking in. That's just how it looked to me. All I had to do was book the appointment, which I used to hate doing. I used to hate making my own appointments, but which is why I still hate making my appointments now. But yeah, you just walk up in there. You get your appointment, you walk up in there. And I don't think it's that simple. But then again, I really wouldn't know because I haven't been to therapy in however long. So I guess my primary care provider, she was really rude, y'all. Like I was taken aback by how rude she was because I was telling her the reasons why I felt like I needed some professional help or someone to talk to or something of that nature. And I was telling her like, I just didn't feel safe and I was very anxious all the time. And it was just not just your normal, oh, I'm anxious because I have to give a presentation, but no, like anxious because I didn't want to leave the house, that type of anxious. That's not normal, honestly. It's like, I'm not saying it to make anyone who feels like me feel bad. But what I mean is to have like reoccurring thoughts of you being harmed or something's bad is going to happen to you. You don't want to leave your house. Like those are abnormal things that you need to seek help for. So, cause everybody gets anxious occasionally, but I guess I used to always get offended when someone would tell me like, Oh yeah, I have anxiety. And I'm like, okay, like in what way exactly? And then they start trying to tell me and I'm thinking like, okay, like that just sounds like normal stuff that everybody goes through. But I'm telling you that I don't even want to leave the house. Like I'm telling you that when I go to the movie theater, I got to check both exits to make sure that I know where I'm going. And I can't even focus because every time someone comes in the theater with a backpack on, I'm fearing for my life. Like that's different. That's on a different scale. So I used to get really offended when people would try to, I guess, level with me, try to make it seem like it wasn't that big of a deal because they also were anxious. Like pro tip for y'all. Don't do that. Don't do that, man. Like, don't try to minimize somebody else's struggles by also saying, like, you have it too. And I'm saying that as nicely and as understanding as possible that everybody goes through things and that everybody probably does have anxiety to some degree. I mean, the world we live in, I would imagine that a lot of people deal with anxiety and depression. So I'm not saying that, you know, if you truly are going through that, you shouldn't be able to share your story. But what I mean is don't do it with the thought process of trying to minimize what that person is going through by saying like, well, you're just anxious. Like, I mean, that's normal. Like, just get over it. Like, don't try to minimize what that person is going through. That's all I'm saying. Anyways, so... Yeah, I was telling the, the the lady, the primary care physician that I was feeling unsafe and that's kind of the reason why I decided to make the appointment. And I'm thinking, first of all, looking back on it now, y'all, cause I was like 20, so I didn't know nothing from nothing at that time. Thinking back on it, I'm like, man, it took me a lot of courage to even make this appointment in the first place because now I'm doing everything that I said I never wanted to do, which was be looked at like I'm crazy. And I actually took the leap of faith to try to make this appointment. And here you are telling me, well, just don't watch the news. Y'all, she literally told me that if I didn't want to be anxious, if I didn't want to worry and be feeling like I need to look over my shoulder, just don't watch the news. Well, sis, if that's all it took, nobody would have to be on anxiety medication. Nobody would have to go to therapy and learn the tools and resources that they need to feel calm in a, in a, like a, 
high powered situation. Like, how dare you tell me that all I need to do is cut off the news? Like, give me a break. I was really mad about that. But just looking back on how she handled that, I'm just very like surprised. Like, I don't know. I didn't really have much experience, y'all. So maybe that's just how people come at it. They just think that they're just simple fixes. And I just feel like her telling me to cut off the news is the equivalent of saying, just get over it or just think happy thoughts. Because y'all, if it was just that easy, we wouldn't have the issues that we have. We wouldn't be in a mental health crisis if all we had to do was turn a switch in our brain to tell us to think happy thoughts. It just doesn't work like that. So yeah, y'all need to... Y'all need to relax because it just doesn't work like that. But anyways, so long story short, I end up in the, I get a therapist assigned to me and I have like reoccurring appointments like once a month and I only did it for six months. That wasn't intentional. I would have gone a lot longer, but one thing led to another with my final appointment and it was just a situation it was just something real stupid like I missed the appointment because of something that was out of my control and then I just never booked any more appointments and then that's just kind of how it was and I just never looked back and that's probably one of the biggest mistakes I ever made in my life was to not rebook my therapy appointments but I just wanted to tell y'all like kind of the thought process and what my therapist told me was one of the reasons that I didn't feel safe and just kind of the things that we talked about and some of the strategies she gave me to, you know, help with like my anxiety. Like I said, I didn't go long enough to get the whole toolkit, but that's my own fault, not my therapist's fault. So of course, when you go to therapy, they kind of give you a little, they kind of ask you like, what brings you here? And For me, what it basically was, my therapist doesn't know anything about me. You know, I'm starting from the beginning, like as far back as I can remember. And then I started talking about my family and my relationships and, you know, just things, you know, you just start talking. I don't know. Like, I don't even know. I guess sometimes they ask you questions and then it may jog a memory. And so then you go on a tangent and then, you know, they try to get you back to the main point, bring you back to the center. I felt like my therapist, she definitely let me get my thoughts out, but you know, it wasn't really for me to just ramble on. Like we needed to get to some understanding so we could get to the tools that I needed to actually use to effectively learn how to manage my anxiety, that type of thing. So I was telling her that I was feeling unsafe and she, you know, had, and I told her, I said, you know, I don't understand why I feel unsafe because there hasn't really been anything in my life up to this point that has been super traumatic to where I should feel these feelings you know what I mean like I feel like somebody who feels unsafe in the way that I feel unsafe or the way that I fear for my safety something traumatic would have had to have happened to you when you were younger or at any age for you to feel that way it only logically makes sense And just to kind of give you guys a little insight onto kind of how I operate now, I'm doing better, but just kind of how I've operated from the time I turned 18 years old until probably last year, I have always felt like, well, from this, from this time period that I gave y'all, something happened where I just became really fearful of being involved in a mass shooting. This is specifically my problem. Like I, 
I mean, I felt like growing up, I was always one of those scary kids. Like I wasn't like afraid of scary movies, ironically, but I just felt like I was always like worrying. Like I worried a lot, which I could have possibly gotten from my grandmother because my grandmother worries a lot. And I spent a lot of time with my grandmother. So I do have that trait. I worry a lot. I worry about everything. But I didn't go through anything as a child as far as like something so traumatic like my house catching on fire or being involved in a home invasion. Like those are the things that I would think would trigger a response to a certain situation. Follow along with me, y'all. I might be bouncing around, but try to follow me. I'll try to recap this and make this make as much sense as possible. But I I just remember feeling like, I mean, obviously mass shootings are very prevalent. And, you know, in previous years, they were even more prevalent. I felt like the only good thing that came about the pandemic was I felt like we saw a decrease in mass shootings for a small amount of time then of course they start picking back up again so you know you really can't ever win with that I just started feeling like at any moment I could be involved in one and I want to preface this also by saying because I know some people are probably thinking like anybody that's listening to this podcast could be involved in a mass shooting and god forbid I don't want that for anybody and I realize that but I, I'm going to try to explain this to y'all the best way that I can so you guys can get like a little insight into my mind. I've only met one other person who feels the way that I do about mass shooting specifically. And that's why I'm saying that I have I feel like these weird thoughts on a different scale. And so I was telling my therapist that I just didn't understand why I felt unsafe because, you know, of course, I told you guys like, you know, there, my, my stepdad was absent. Me and my mom used to argue a lot when I was a kid. But other than that, like I didn't, nothing bad happened to me to where I should feel this type of anxiety towards something that I'm not familiar with. Something that I've never experienced firsthand is what I'm getting at. And so, you know, my therapist was basically telling me that at least what she describes is the reason why I was feeling unsafe at that time in my life was because like physically unsafe. The reason why I didn't feel physically safe in the world was because in my inner circle, I didn't feel like emotionally safe or mentally safe. I am not quoting her word for word, y'all. I'm just like trying to remember as best I can how she put it in her own terms you know, what she was referring to, because during my therapy sessions, during this time, I was really going through a lot of situations with my elders that were kind of picking on me. And I felt like singling me out, out of everybody else that they could have been talking about, but just singling me out, making me feel less than, or just making me feel like very self-conscious about myself. Like, you know, when, when I first moved back here after graduating from high school, you know, I had cut all my hair off because I was transitioning from relaxed hair to natural. And, you know, it, it would be situations where I was getting talked about like my hair and my weight and just things that 
they they don't it's not like a big deal you know that's not really a big deal but I felt like some of those verbal attacks were happening so frequently during this time. I mean, of course, they say when it rains, it pours. But those verbal attacks were happening so much during this time period when I was in college that I guess my therapist put two and two together and said, you know, you're not feeling emotionally safe in your environment where you should feel safe, you know, around friends and family and it should be a safe space for you. You don't even have safety there. So when you're going out into the world, you don't feel safe in the world also. I always kind of in my mind challenged this statement because it doesn't really make sense to me. Like I understand the logic, but I, at the same time, I'm like, but that doesn't really explain the reason why specifically I have a gripe with mass shootings and not wanting to be involved with one and feeling like I have to research everything and get the names and know the time and the place and I just don't know like uh, she to me I didn't get the answers that I really needed but then again like I said y'all I didn't continue going to therapy so maybe if I had con continued to go maybe I would have learned a little bit more of why I have a certain feeling towards you know mass shootings so that could be my fault, y'all. But this is just based off of the information that I got in that six month period. And so, you know, um, she gives me some homework. Of course, when you're in therapy, you might get like homework that you need to practice the tools that your therapist has given you and apply it into your real life because you need to apply those tools because if you're just going to therapy, I mean, some, I mean, I know some people go to therapy just to have someone else to talk to who is not a biased party in their life. That I think is very important as well. But for example, one of the things that she had given me homework on was to stick up for myself. So, um, and just a little bit more of a backstory. So my therapist was white and of course I'm a black woman and there's nothing wrong with having a therapist of the opposite race to you. But one thing that I did realize is, you know, some of the suggestions that my therapist was coming up with, I'm thinking like, ma'am, this is not gonna fly in my black household. In the black household, you don't defy your elders. You respect your elders. You stay in a child's place. Mind y'all, I was 20 years old at this point, so that really should have been null and void. But, you know, you stay in a child's place. You eat at the kid's table. You know, you don't just be coming off talking crazy to people in black families and families that you don't just pop fly. You know, you got to come correct when you're talking to your elders. And that's something that I always abided by because that's how I was raised to act, you know? So I wasn't used to sticking up for myself at this age, even at 20, because I was always a kid. So if I'm supposed to respect my elders, well, that's what I have been doing. So it wasn't up until, you know, I started getting older after 18. I'm in college, you know, I'm trying to make a name for myself in this world, you know, trying to live my life, growing into my own womanhood and learning how to be an adult, where I started noticing that I needed to stand up for myself when it came to family or friends or situations at work. I had to learn how to be very vocal and stand up for myself. And it was hard for me because I don't like confrontation. I usually would let people say what they wanted to say about me I would take it and then I would cry about it later. 
and then I would just go about my daily life. And that's just not how you want to approach things. You want to make sure that you let people know when they're being disrespectful to you and you want to make sure that they know it as soon as it happens. Because when you start waiting around, then they think that they didn't do nothing wrong, which I also don't believe, I feel like grown people know what they're doing and the idea that grown people don't know when they've messed up or when they've, you know, spoke out of term or were out of pocket, y'all could really miss me with that because y'all know what y'all be doing. That don't make no sense. If you have any self-awareness, you know what you're doing. That's just, that's a cop out to think that grown people don't know when they're in the wrong. But it is still your responsibility to basically teach people how to treat you. Should we have to do this? No, but unfortunately we do because people are dumb and people choose to act any kind of way and try to get away with it. And we can't allow that. So yeah, so my therapist had told me like, you know, whenever a situation arises where someone, you know, says some things that, you know, may be hurtful to you, then you need to stick up for yourself. And to be honest with y'all, I don't think I ever learned this until like recently. I don't think I learned or mastered the tools or the strategies that she was giving me up until like within the last couple of years, because especially like at work, like I'm very vocal at work. I advocate for myself at work. I let people know like where I stand and I'm very proud of myself because it took a while to get here, but yeah, it didn't happen overnight. And so when it came to like situations with my elders, it did continue for a while that, you know, they would be talking crazy to me. And I'm just like, mm, like kind of trying to hold back the tears to like be real strong in that moment and then walk away after they said what they had to say, go cry about it, come back, pretend like it didn't happen. And, you know, obviously that that's problematic because then that's not necessarily addressing the problem at hand. And I remember like a situation with one of my family members where I was basically chilling at the house and one of my family members had stopped by. So of course I answered the door. And the first thing that that person told me, this was when, you know, I had longer natural hair at the time, y'all. They had told me like, did you do something with your hair or are you going to do anything with your hair? It looks like you didn't do anything to it. Mind you, you guys, this person had showed up. So the first thing that I'm doing is greeting that person like, hey, how are you doing? Like, how's everything going? Being a kind human. But the first thing that that person tells me is like that my hair is unkempt, basically. So that's taking a shot to my self-esteem because... I mean, like, dang, like all I did was say hi to you. You didn't even say hi to me. The first thing that you said was, why isn't my hair done or something like that? And my hair was done, y'all. Uh, I guess in their opinion, it wasn't. And so like, I tried to brush it off, but eventually I just ended up going into the bathroom and crying about it. And then I ended up leaving the situation because I was like, you know what? Like, I'm just gonna remove myself from the situation. I can't stick up for myself in this moment because I'm weak and I don't know how to do that yet, but I can just leave. I can up and leave and remove myself from the situation. And I feel like that person should get the message because what they said was out of line and it was rude and uncalled for. And to this day, like that conversation has never been had, so. Uh, like I said, I, I didn't didn't learn all the tools that she tried to give me in terms of sticking up for myself. So those are that was one of the the tips that she gave me. 
But like I said, because she was white and I'm in a black family, I felt like sometimes she wasn't understanding of the fact that there are some cultural differences in a white versus a black household in which I have to come correct when I am going to be telling someone that they're making me feel some type of way. And I just had not mastered that when I was in college because I didn't know how to do that without being disrespectful. And so another tip that she had given me was in regards to my anxiety. So with my anxiety, like I said, I would be in situations where I would be on campus at school, sitting in a class, and like any slight noise or someone walking in at a random time, I would be checking over my shoulder. I would start praying in my head, like, God, don't let anything happen to me. Um, sometimes I would like hyperventilate. Sometimes I kind of just would freeze. Like I, it would just be like this paranoia all the time. Like all the time there was paranoia. The only times I wouldn't be paranoid was if there was just a slight chance that I don't know, like, I don't know, there would just be times where sometimes I wouldn't be thinking about the negativity, but it was just very rare, especially in college, because you're on a college campus and you know that, you know, people pop off on college campuses all the time. So I was just very hypervigilant of my surroundings. And, you know, I remember there was this one situation, there was two situations, actually. There was one situation where I actually was on campus. The other situation, I was actually at home. So I'm going to tell you guys about the situation where I actually was on campus. So at this point, I, um, I actually would like catch the bus and take the shuttle from like a parking ride to school. And I would drive my car to the parking ride and then, you know, get to school that way. That way I wouldn't have to actually pay for parking on campus because that adds up you pay by the hour parking ride you know you're just paying for like the bus fare and that's really nothing um because you could pay for it in advance if you're a student you know all that good stuff so I was getting ready to get on the bus to go get my car after being at school and so I'm standing at the bus stop which is I don't need, I don't know directions and distance y'all I don't know but there was a building across from the 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 mailbox, not the the mailbox. Oh my God, the, the bus stop. Good Lord. Okay. So across from the bus stop, there was a, a building at UTSA. I don't even know what the name of this building is y'all. Cause I just don't know. So I'm at the bus stop and you know, there's a group of us waiting for the bus. And then all of a sudden I just see a bunch of kids start running. And obviously the first thing that I'm thinking is somebody has a gun somebody's about to start popping off and I'm freaking out because I'm not too far from these people but I'm not too close to them to where I would need to immediately make an like a split second decision that could impact my life I had time to assess the situation and that was one thing that my therapist taught me how to do she said you know depending on the situation because sometimes you don't have time to really sit and assess the situation sometimes it's a fight a fight or flight where you really kind of have to get it together and I've never been in a situation thank God and I pray to God that that doesn't happen to me but I've never been in a fight or flight situation like that so they just started running so I'm starting to panic but I just decided to try to you know use the tools that my therapist gave me and assess the situation so they're running in the opposite direction I'm far enough away from them to where if something was going on I could get to a safe location 
somewhat to a degree. And it turned out to be a false alarm, but I was really proud of myself in that moment because I was able to see something that looked like it was going awry and I assessed the situation and I realized that there was no threat to my life and I was able to remain calm and not outwardly show that I was panicked. You know, even though that the the kids at that time, I don't know what they saw because really nothing happened, but I don't know. I think maybe it was just one of those situations where they were in fight or flight. They saw one person running, then everybody else started running and it just became this big scene of chaos and nothing really was happening. So that was like one of those small moments where I felt like, wow, I really put what I learned in therapy into real life. But then it would be situations where maybe there was one instance where I could take what my therapist said and put it into real life. But then I would come back a week later and regress and something else would happen and I couldn't assess the situation. So it was like I was going back and forth with not being able to actually consistently, sustainably use the tools that she gave me in that six month period. So there was another situation where I was actually already at home for the day. And this actually like blew up on Twitter a couple of years ago. But basically people were tweeting that there was somebody on the roof at UTSA, like dressed in all black, that they had like a rifle or something and they were walking back and forth on the roof. So then someone had like a picture of this person, but you know, you couldn't really make out what they had in their hand. You really couldn't make out anything, but you just see like this black figure on top of the on top of the roof and people are starting to run with the story and create their own assumptions of what's going on. So people are saying someone's on top with the, with a rifle in their hand and you know, I'm in a frenzy, but I'm at the house and I remember needing to, you know, go on campus the next day to take a test. Now this would have been the complete next day y'all. So if anything were to happen the night before, it would have either been resolved the night of or they would have shut down campus if anything tragic would have happened and I wouldn't have had to come on campus in the first place. But I wasn't thinking logically. I was panicking. So then I was like, okay, I, I can't go to school the next day. I got to call my professor and let her know that I can't take my test because somebody was on the roof with a rifle and I can't do this. And I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to feel safe in class the next day. I'm going to be looking over my shoulder. And what if they're going to come back tomorrow? And what if they're going to try to come in my classroom? So this is me, like all my thoughts are running, running rampant, y'all. I'm literally at my house and I can't even get my mind to shut off to realize, Sierra, you're at the house. Law enforcement is going to figure out whatever, whatever is going on at UTSA right now. You are not at UTSA right now. You are safe at the house. Stop looking on Twitter because Twitter is not accurate information until law enforcement, until the news comes out and tells you what's going on. Why are you letting these people tell you that there's a guy on the top of the roof with a rifle? But no, my mind is going a miles a minute and I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to connect with my professor and let her know that I can't come to class because there was somebody on the roof with a gun and I can't take my test. So I went back and forth for hours before I just decided like, okay, I'm not going to let my professor know that because then that's like a whole situation in itself. And then maybe I'm going to look stupid or weird because I can't come to school. So, you know, I just kind of like, Basically, I guess I forgot about it or I just tried to forget about it because I'm like, you know, this is literally I don't have to go to school until the next morning, which, like I said, the issue would have either been resolved or the, or the campus would have been shut down if it was something tragic that happened in the first place. So, though, that was a situation where I didn't allow myself 
to actually assess the situation that I wasn't even involved in y'all. Like I wasn't even at the campus, but I was like freaking out to this large scale. And I had many situations where I would, you know, freak out on a large scale or I could not, even though I know what my therapist told me, I sometimes don't put it into practice because sometimes things just feel more real and it doesn't seem like I can assess the situation in a calm way and figure it out. And I'll tell y'all one more situation where basically the words of my therapist went out the window. And this was actually years after I had left therapy, but so I guess the the teachings weren't so fresh on my mind because, you know, I hadn't been in therapy for years, but there was one time me and my mom had actually gone to the movie theaters. This probably was in whatever year that movie, When the Bow Breaks came out, the one with Idris Elba and the chick, I think was a surrogate or something like that. I don't know what year that was, y'all. Let me see if I can Google it and see when that movie came out. Okay, so this movie came out in 2016. So actually, I take this back, y'all. Well, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a couple of years after I had started therapy. Maybe it was like a year or, yeah, it probably was a year because I remember my breakup ended in like 2015 or something like that. So yeah, me and my mom go to this film. It was a night showing of When the Bow Breaks. I feel like it was probably like a seven o'clock showing or something like that in a small the movie theater wasn't small, but the room that we were in was really small. It wasn't like one of those larger rooms that they have. So I don't even know how far we were into the movie, maybe like 30 minutes, 30, 40 minutes. But all of a sudden I can start hearing like the door that's in front. So like one of the, I guess one of the exit doors that are in the front that are like on the left or right hand side of the screen, you could hear it start like shaking like someone's trying to jimmy the door the jimmy the door open and try to get in. So of course the first thing that I'm thinking is okay someone's trying to get in here and shoot up the place because there's no other reason why that door would be making noise because that's not the entrance to this theater. And obviously I'm thinking someone drove around the corner, someone's already got the plan together and they're going to come in here and it's going to be a whole fiasco and I could make a run for it now and live and save my life. And mind you guys, my mom is sitting next to me. My mom is completely fine. She's not panicking. The door is making all this noise. It sounds like someone's trying to break in. My mom is calm. She's fine. Nothing's wrong with her. Nothing's wrong with nobody else but me. I'm the only one who's crying, hyperventilating, panicking. I couldn't breathe. My mom's literally trying to tell me like, Sierra, like just take a couple de deep breaths. Like just relax. Like you're fine. Like nothing's going on. Like you're going to be fine. And I was like trying to listen to my mom, trying to calm down. But like half of me was already off the edge of my seat, ready to run out the back and get out of there. So like I was trying to remain calm. So part of me was like half my butt is in the seat, half my butt is in the air. I'm like, nah, I'm not going to be here. And if I could save myself. So I'm thinking I'm the only one who's panicking. But then I see like people that are sitting closer to that door had alerted one of the attendants 
who had just walked in at the time and you know they didn't look like they were panicked but they had just brought it to her attention like hey this door is kind of like making a weird noise can you check it out I was like "Uh, -uh." as soon as this lady started walking to that door to check that out I was like you just gonna go blindly check it out I'm not gonna be here for when you get back or if you make it back so I'm trying to tell my mom mom I gotta get out of here I need you to come with me because who knows what's gonna who's gonna come through that door and I need you to be with me because I don't want to know what's gonna happen and I need you with me and I have to get out of here I can't stay in here mom I need you to come with me mind you guys my mom is perfectly calm like she's cool as a cucumber and I'm panicked I just I and I can't even I can't even calm down that's how bad it was I couldn't even calm down I was having a legitimate panic attack my first panic attack ever and I couldn't get it together and like it's crazy because it's like I have my mom who's sitting right next to me you know, I trust my mom. I feel safe with my mom. And I couldn't get, I couldn't like hear her words and like try to do what she was telling me, like take a deep breath, calm down, do what your therapist told you. I couldn't even get that to my mind because I'm like, I don't want to be here whenever that door is open and something ensues. And I don't think I'm going to be able to live it down if you stay in this theater and I'm not here. And I'm like, I'm trying to save us both. So I need you to like, come up with me. Well, long story short, y'all, I ran out of the theater crying, hyperventilating. And my mom is still in the theater. She never gets out of the theater. No one else ever leaves the theater, y'all. And I didn't even necessarily run out of the actual movie theater. I just ran out of the actual room where the, the movie was showing. And I like basically ran to kind of like where the bathrooms were and the kind of near the concessions area so I didn't actually leave the theater but I ran as far away from that room as possible and I just remember just kind of standing up against the wall trying to catch my breath just trying to you know get myself back together and just thinking in my mind thinking in my mind like I can't believe my mom didn't come with me and it took her a while to even come check on me also like I, maybe it wasn't that long, but in my mind, it felt like forever. I felt like 30 minutes had gone by, but it probably was really only 10 minutes. And she comes and she finds me and she tries to, she makes sure that I'm okay. And she told, she tells me that basically it was like windy outside and the attendant realized that the wind was banging the door up against the, up against the, like the wall. So that way it sounded like someone was trying to get in, but you know, it was just the wind. So after she told me that, then I felt calm enough to go back into the theater because I realized there was no threat to my life. There was no threat to my mother's life. So I can go back into the theater. I can sit down. I did not enjoy the rest of the movie. I mean, I think I still was a little bit on edge for the rest of the movie, but I was at least able to go back in there and at least pretend like I enjoyed the movie and like I said that was a situation where the tutelage of my therapist went completely out the window because I was I was more on like that fight or flight that I told y'all about I wasn't thinking about assessing the situation because I'm like who knows if me assessing the situation is going to get me killed like I'm not going to be here to be in that situation I don't know what's going to go on so I just think it's really crazy though because in those moments when it's only you panicking, I think that's when it really is put into perspective that you have a problem. Because 
it would be one thing if it's like a high profile situation where something is actually happening and everybody's panicking. That makes natural sense. If something actually is happening and people are like running for their lives and panicking, but in a situation where everybody has a, like they just have this calmness, they can just like, it just doesn't matter to them. It just, it's like something that people don't even think twice about until it's a real tragedy. Then they start thinking, but for me, it's like a, it's always a thought. It's not an afterthought. I think for most people, it's an afterthought unless it's something you've experienced, which is why it's something that really bothers me. That is such a big problem for me because I've never experienced it before. It's just something that's wild to me and it's not explainable. I don't, I've only, like I said, I've only met one other person who kind of has the same like weird, worried thoughts about that type of situation. And I've never met anyone else like it. And I've never, I don't know how to explain it to most people. You know, I usually don't even tell most people about how I feel about that type of stuff until I feel truly safe and comfortable with them. So let alone putting it on a podcast for all of the world to hear. But I don't know. I just hope that maybe someone who's listening to my story feels like, you know, they're not crazy because it's a true feeling to worry and panic about things that really haven't even happened. Like I'm worried about the unknown. I'm worried about things that I don't even know are going to happen or not which is kind of like what I touched on last episode is like the fear of the unknown, not knowing what's going to happen to me or just feeling the need to look over my shoulder. And I think something that the pandemic did that kind of relaxed my thoughts or feeling like I had to look over my shoulder is the fact that we couldn't go nowhere. So I literally had no choice but to stay in the house like everybody else. And so now, even with the thought of knowing that I can leave the house, sometimes I'm like, maybe I could just stay in the house because at least if I'm in the house, then I'm safe. You know, I can control my environment to a degree because I live in an apartment. So there are things out of my control, like if something happens where the apartment catches on fire, God forbid, but you know what I mean? Like there are certain things in any situation that are out of your control. But as far as like the safety that I feel where I live, like I feel safe, I feel secure. I don't feel like I have to look over my shoulder where I live and I'm very grateful for that. But I think that because I'm so used to being at home that sometimes just the the thought of wanting to go do something out of the normal like go to a bar sometimes that can be like a nerve-wracking situation depending on it just really depends on a lot of things like I think now as I get older like I don't really care to be doing things like really late at night being in precarious situations at all hours of the night like I mean I definitely have indulged in it and I think sometimes when I feel safe in terms of who I'm going with Sometimes that will calm me into doing it. But I remember a lot of times where people would invite me to go do things and I would turn it down, not necessarily because I didn't want to go, but because it's like I can't control my environment when I'm out in public and I like to be in control. I like to know what's going on. And when I'm not in control, I just don't it doesn't sit well with me. I like to know what the heck is, you know, going on. And life just doesn't work like that. You're just not in control. First of all, God is in control. But I like to believe that I am. And I'm just not. 
And sometimes that's a scary, a scary feeling. I mean, I haven't had a panic attack in a while and I'm thankful for that also. And I think I've also gotten better with, despite me feeling like that primary care physician was being extremely rude, saying that I should stop watching the news. But honestly, I have kind of dialed it back on watching the news and feeling like I need to get all the hard facts about every shooting that ever happens in America. Like, I don't know why I feel the need to do all this extensive research like I'm the FBI because all it makes me do is toss and turn in my sleep. I always have like a reoccurring dream of dying in a mass shooting. Like it's always something. And I hate those moments because those moments are the times where I wake up from that dream and I feel paralyzed. Like I feel like I can't move. I like I'm brought to tears and God forbid if I like have to actually do something like go to work, then my whole day is messed up because all I can think about is just not feeling secure and safe. And it's just a sucky feeling to when so many people can like wake up and just think like, oh, well, whatever happens, happens. I'm just not going to live my life in fear. And I know like in the Bible, it says God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. But for me, unfortunately, I do have a spirit of fear. Like I, I am very fearful about a lot of things, which is why I play a lot of things safe, which is why I probably still live in the same place that I graduated college. And I mean, this is a the area that I grew up in. This is probably why I still live here, because in my mind, I'm like, I don't know. Do I move away from family? So like, at least if I live here, like family is within arm's reach. So it's like, I don't know. Sometimes I won't take certain jobs because I don't, it's just a, it's just a big situation, y'all. It's a, it's a mess, but I'm planning on, like I said, going back to therapy and hopefully I can work through those, work through those issues and feel like, secure when I'm going out in public like and don't get me wrong y'all like there are times where I can go into stores and I feel fine but I think it's when I'm literally not paying attention to anything that's going on in the world like if I'm just not watching the news and I'm just in my own world I feel like those are the times where I can kind of live my life and not think about the unknown but as soon as something comes up in the news, that's kind of when I start living my life on edge. And of course, you just you really don't want to live in fear because, I mean, it's just not going to get you anywhere. And it just blocks a lot of opportunities. It blocks a lot of opportunities and it just makes you afraid to live a fulfilling life. Sometimes I just feel like all I'm doing is existing because I don't get up and get out there and go do a lot of traveling. I mean, one, because I'm I'm not balling like that. So I can't just get up and travel at the drop of a dime. But there's just certain things that I will try to not put myself in those situations because I just, I worry so much and I just wish I wasn't like that. But unfortunately, I have the worry bone in my body, which is also the reason why I can't even imagine why people want to have kids in the in the world that we live in right now. Like wanting to have kids... I just don't even understand it. Like, I can't even make myself feel safe. How the heck am I going to make a tiny human feel safe when they're out of my sight? I, I can't wrap my brain around it. But yeah, that's kind of like a little bit of my therapy experience for y'all. Um, I did want to kind of end it on a lighter note before we get into 
the product of the week section. So to end on a lighter note, I was like, you know what? We should do like a Q&A on here. I should answer some questions so that maybe y'all can like get to know me a little bit better. So I am going to answer a couple of questions that I see online and, you know, just kind of make it a little bit more fun. I know the beginning part of this episode was kind of heavy, but I told y'all we was going to be getting deep into the mental health stuff. So got to put it all out on the table for y'all. Okay, so one of the questions is roommates or live alone? I'm going to say live alone. And I'm going to say that because I've never had roommates and I hear the horror stories of having roommates. I know it's not all bad, but for me, I like my space to be a certain way. And I just like, I'm very nitpicky with things in my apartment and the way that I like it and the way that I want things done. So it's just, it would be very difficult for me to live with someone else unless they were like me or worse than me, like even more of a neat freak. Cause if you're even more than a neat freak, like I feel like we could work that out. But if you're not like on my level, then I feel like we would just clash. Like I told y'all how me and my ex clashed a lot. So yeah, definitely living alone. Next one is gonna be reality shows or documentaries. This is easy for me. I'm gonna say reality shows because y'all know that I'm a Bachelor franchise fan up here. Like I love The Bachelor, like it's real problematic and I can't lie about that, but I freaking love that show because I'm a hopeless romantic. And I remember like in high school, I used to watch Flavor Flav and uh, For the Love of Ray J. I mean, I used to love that show, man, like For the Love of Ray J. So yeah, definitely reality shows, but documentaries can be, very informative. I mean, I think the most recent documentary that I watched was Cheer on Netflix. I mean, I freaking love that that show. I've watched it several times. So if y'all haven't seen Cheer on Netflix, I highly recommend. It was such like an inspirational show to watch. I mean, it was sad. It it was very sad and shocking on season two, but um, it was a great show. So highly recommend that show. Okay, this is a good one, y'all. Winning the lottery or finding your soulmate. I'm gonna shock a lot of y'all, maybe not all of y'all, but I'm gonna say finding your soulmate because I feel like, of course, like winning the lottery would be cool, but at the same time, it's like money doesn't buy you happiness. And I feel like if I were to find my soulmate, like my person, my partner in life, I feel like I would be more fulfilled with that than having money. That's truly how I feel. I'm curious to know like what y'all would do in these situations. So definitely comment on my Instagram page for the podcast off the dome podcast underscore on Instagram. I am curious to know what y'all's thoughts are on these question and answers and how y'all would answer these this or that. Let's see. Let's do two more. A store where every item is free or a restaurant where every dish is calorie free hands down a store where every item is free because screw the calories like hell I'll burn them off somehow like I want a store where every item is free because do you know I mean that means your groceries are free makeup is free anything that you need is free everything on Amazon well I don't know I don't know if Amazon counts because it says a store and Amazon is an online store 
So yeah, I don't know. I might've fumbled the bag on that one, but yeah, screw the calories. I want everything that I buy at the store to be free. Oh, this is the one. Talking pets or talking babies. I'm going to go with talking pets. And it's funny because, so my mom has a dog named SJ. He is like the cutest little dog that I've ever seen in my life. And he's like a, he's like a Yorkie. So he's so freaking cute. He's just, he's such a sweet little cutie, cutie pie. But um, every time like I hang out with him or, you know, me and him are going on a walk or we're playing around, I always wonder like, what is this dog thinking in his mind? He probably like, I'm so sick and tired of y'all always playing games with me because he'll like get to the point where like he'll be in the living room and he'll he'll tell you that he wants to play by like bringing you one of his stuffed animals or one of his balls or whatever and sometimes you don't want to be playing around throwing stuff around with him and i'd be wondering he's just like now girl all i did was bring a toy the least you could do is throw it i'd be wondering what he'd be thinking y'all i'm gonna do one more oh this is a good one y'all see the future or change the past this is a tough one because I think there are, it would be good to do either one, but I think I'm going to go with see the future because I feel like I'm always wondering like what my future holds and how long I'm going to live, like all that type of stuff. So I would rather know like what the future holds like am I gonna get married how many kids am I gonna have am I gonna have any kids like am I gonna be successful am I gonna live out the country like I kind of would rather see the future than change the past because I feel like the past had its time for a reason and it made you who you are at the moment but if you can see the future I feel like it kind of like you can kind of like start preparing because you know what's coming so that's what I would say. Actually, y'all, I'm gonna do one more for y'all. Ooh, this is a good one, y'all. Rekindled friendship or rekindled romance? I'm trying to think. Have I ever rekindled a friendship? I have rekindled a friendship. I have rekindled a friendship. Matter of fact, one of my best friends right now, the only reasons why we're still friends is because we had a falling out and I basically reached out to one of our mutual friends and had to write this whole long ass apology to get her to talk to me again because I was in the wrong <laughs> so yeah definitely I feel like it's easier to rekindle a friendship not always but yeah I'm gonna have to go with rekindle a friendship because I've tried to rekindle some romance and that always ends up in me taking an L and looking like a clown so yeah definitely rekindled the friendship for 200 Alex thank you very much but I hope y'all enjoyed the little mini Q&A session. I literally just picked these off of Google. I thought it would be a cute way to kind of end the, the podcast and make it a little bit more lighthearted. I don't want it to be just negative stuff all the time. But so I hope y'all enjoyed it. Let me know on the the Instagram account for the podcast. Again, it's off the dome podcast underscore. Let me know what your favorite part was on the episode this week. And let me know what kind of things that you guys want to hear from me that I love the feedback anything that you can offer will be you know greatly helpful for me so lastly guys you know what it's time for it's product of the week so for product of the week this week 
honestly, I wasn't gonna do a product. I was gonna shout out a black owned business, but unfortunately, if you don't live in San Antonio, you can't check out the Jerk Shack. So I didn't wanna do y'all like that. So this is gonna be for my ladies. This is going to be a feminine wash and it's by The Honey Pot, which I'm sure you guys are familiar with. I felt like The Honey Pot kind of like got really popular during the pandemic because everybody was buying all this like self-care stuff because all we was doing was at home. So I love The Honey Pot. It's just a feminine wash. Of course, it doesn't go inside, does not go inside my ladies. It goes on the outsides, the bits and bobs as we would say. So you know, I really like it. Um, I actually think, and there may be some science behind this. I don't know. Somebody tell me if y'all know, but I think one switching to organic tampons and even possibly using that feminine wash has made my cramps like less severe because when I do get cramps, they're ridiculous. So I think that that has tremendously helped. And of course, you don't need a feminine wash. You know, your vagina is self-cleaning. So you don't need a feminine wash. But I just feel like ever since I bought it, I just, I can't live without it. I just really like it. It just gives you that extra clean feeling. And personally, I like it. I have the, the sensitive foaming wash, which is the one that's in the blue packaging. The normal wash is in like a orange packaging. I just played it safe because I typically do have sensitive skin and I just figured because, you know, that's a sensitive, delicate area that you might want to go with a sensitive wash. So that's kind of what I just went towards. I've never even tried the normal. Um, and then I also tried the the wipes that correspond with the wash, you know, every time that anytime that you just want to feel extra fresh, you know, get you a little wipe, you know, do what you got to do and you're good to go. So Highly recommend the Honey Pot. As far as I know, you can get it at Target. I have not seen it in any other location other than Target. So I don't know if you can get it anywhere else, but it is a black owned brand. So definitely support ladies if you don't already have it. It's something that I think should be in your shower. But I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I know it was all over the place and of course a lot of different situations brought up but I hope you guys took something from it that you enjoyed it of course share the podcast with someone who may be interested you guys can go ahead and follow me on the podcast account which is new by the way um it's gonna be off the dome podcast underscore give me a like subscribe to my podcast channel and I will see you guys next week for the next episode. Love you guys.